Our first uh, scripture reading is from the New Testament, very uh, short scripture reading from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. Uh, Paul here, kind of quoting the law from the Old Testament, says this, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our uh, second scripture reading today is from the Old Testament, going back to the first uh, book of the Bible, to Genesis chapter 21, verses 14 through 20. It's not a story, um, I will confess, that I was uh, all that familiar with, at least not the details, and uh, you may not be either, but I hope that it will resonate with you, especially as we move during the course of the message. Story of uh, Abraham and Hagar and uh, Ishmael. So it says in verse 14, Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him, a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we pray in these moments that the words of uh, this preacher's mouth and the meditation of each and every heart here in this room and those who are watching may be acceptable in your sight. For Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, maybe it's me, but more and more mothers seem to have their backs against the wall these days. Am I right about that? The, the pressure, there's just pressure of trying to hold everything together. They're just enormous from trying to hold a marriage together to trying to hold a family together, from trying to hold a job. When you tally all those things up, the responsibilities can be overwhelming. As someone has said, if evolution is true, then why is it that mothers only have two hands? <laughs> Boy, you guys don't get it, do you? <laughs> We'll work on it, we'll work on it. (laughs) So the point is, can we really blame moms when sometimes they tend to lose their cool? A couple of years ago, there was this uh, woman named uh, Tanya Graham. She became an overnight YouTube sensation after confronting, yelling, and yes, even hitting her 16-year-old son, Michael, who didn't come straight home from school in a day in which there were violent protests 
in the city of Baltimore. Now, she said that she did it out of desperation to try to keep her son out of harm's way. And while many people applauded her actions, not everyone was supportive of how she disciplined her son. And even Tanya Graham herself said that she did not feel like a mother of the year. Well, whether we're talking about mother of the year or just Mother's Day, it can be a problem, I think, because our expectations of mom on Mother's Day can, can be tough on their shoulders. It can feel more like a burden than a bouquet of flowers. And there are mothers out there, maybe you're one of them, who say, you know, if only I tried just a little bit harder with my kids. Oh, maybe if I just do a little bit more around the house. In other words, if only I could be her. Who's the her? The, the mythical, mystical, magical mom. David Brooks, writing in the New York Times, said, highly successful career women have taken time off to make sure all their kids are perfect. You can usually tell the uber moms because they actually weigh less than their children. <laughs> During pregnancy, they are taking so much soy-based nutritional formula, they produce these massive 12-pound babies that look like toothless defensive linemen. These moms envision their children sitting quietly around the tables, humming along with Beethoven as they absorb age-appropriate encyclopedias. Afterwards, they recreate a map of the United States made out of, made out of homemade sugar cookies. <laughs> well, on this Mother's Day, I have good news for you moms out there. And it is this. God wants to lift you from those burdens that you may be feeling on your shoulders. God sees you as one of his children. One who needs mountains of mercy and oceans of grace, maybe just to make it through the day. In fact, in page after page after page in the Bible, we find mom after mom after mom who also has her back against the wall. So just for a couple minutes, I'd like for us to examine a few of these moms. Imagine with me, if you can, how Eve must have felt in overhearing the conversation between her husband and God when her husband threw her under the bus. God asked, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree I told you not to eat? Remember what Adam said? The woman you made, the one who you gave me, you know, the one whose big idea was yours in the first place? She gave me some fruit and I just ate a nibble. Doesn't that spark romantic feelings for your husband? But then came the big blow. Imagine having two sons, both of whom you love dearly, and one son murders the other. How are you gonna handle that grief and sorrow? How are you gonna forgive the son who is still living? Eve reminds us that we bring children into this world that is flawed and fouled up to the nth degree. Now I want you to flip ahead a few pages to Genesis chapter 21, which was the scripture that I shared with you earlier. Here's another mom who has her back against the wall. Like the 107 degree heat that I experienced yesterday in Abilene, Texas, in the burning desert south of Beersheba, somewhere in the Judean wilderness, 
a woman named Hagar is desperately trying to make it back to Egypt. But she isn't going to make it. Her canteen of water is empty. Her food is all gone. Her little boy named Ishmael is comatose. And so she lays him under a bush and then she walks away unable to watch his agony. So this mother's words echo across 3,000 years when Hagar says, do not let me look upon the death of this child. And then walking away a distance, she sinks to the ground and she sobs. But then comes a word of hope. It says, for God heard the voice of the boy. You may not know this, but you see, God has this red telephone that he keeps next to him. It's called Mother's Hotline. (laughs) And in that particular time, it rang up in heaven. An angel appeared and said, come, lift up the boy, for I will make him a great nation. Well, friends, I believe that as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, here at Chestnut Level, we are to be that angel. We are to be the messengers of God to mothers in this church, in this community, and yes, even across the globe. And the message is to be this, don't lose hope. There's a God who cares about you. You don't have to abandon your children to the dangers of this world. There's a God who cares. There's a church who cares, and we will be there for you. It is what we promise those parents who stand before God and the company of God's people during baptism as we make baptismal vows to help those parents train up that child in the ways and admonition of the Lord. The New Testament then opens with a mother who also has her back against the wall. Imagine how a pregnant Mary must have felt when Joseph said, "Uh, honey, you're not gonna believe this, but uh, there's no room at the Hampton Inn. (laughs) And instead she gave birth to her firstborn baby amidst the flies and manure of an animal barn. And then imagine how she must have felt being awakened in the middle of the night and having to scoop up her, her infant son and dash off to Egypt. And then several years after that, there was a time that Mary and Joseph had traveled all day, each thinking that their 12 year old was with the other when in reality, he was with neither of them. And so Joseph says, well, I thought Jesus was with you. And Mary says, well, I thought he was with you. (laughs) That sound familiar to any of you parents out there? You know, Mary may be one of the most idealized mothers in all of history, but Mary muddled through motherhood. Yet despite all of Mary's failings, as Jesus hung dying on the cross, with the weight of the world on his shoulders, his final dying words were a tribute to his mother. And through the deep fog of his pain, he arranged care for her. He cried out, take care of her, John. Behold, your mother. On the cross, Jesus gave his life for others, which is something that mothers do all the time. So all these mothers that I just shared with you, they had their backs against the wall for for different reasons, in different circumstances, and at different times. But all of them experienced God being present with them in their struggle. And so if you're a mother today, 
Let me just give you a word of encouragement and say that God rushes to meet you and help you through your struggles, whatever they may be. You heard me read earlier from the Apostle Paul, a very short passage in Ephesians, that we are to honor our mothers. What does that mean exactly? Well, to honor our mother means to celebrate her, to make a big fuss over her, especially if she's still alive. And if she has died, then to remember her and to give thanks for her. Because I think for some of us, the greatest mega dosages of God's love that we have ever received in our lives was indeed from our mothers. God and mom loves us warts and all. And I believe that God calls us not just today because it's Mother's Day, but every day to try to mirror back some of that selfless love that she has been beaming towards us our entire lives. Now, one of the ways that we can do that is through different love languages. Last week, we talked about physical touch. Jesus healed a deaf, mute man, right? Today, we move to the second of those love languages, which is called words of affirmation. I have um, filed away as a keepsake in a box at home a card that my mother sent to me on the day of my ordination as a Presbyterian minister, which was November 1st, 1992. In the card, my mom wrote, Johnny, words cannot express my happiness, happiness on this your special day. I am very proud of you and what you have done with your life. As you go in the name of the Lord, ministering to others, I wish you God's richest blessings with love and prayers, Mom. Now to hear your mother say to you, I am proud of you, has got to be one of the greatest feelings in the world. It is a feeling that will put you on cloud nine. At least that's what I thought, until I came across an autobiographical column written by Ernie Pyle, who was a World War II news correspondent. And I want to share that with you. He writes this. One winter night, a few years ago, I was sitting in the dark cabin of a westbound plane. Word had come that afternoon that my mother had had a second stroke. And they said over the phone that she might not live. I was in a desperate hurry. Perhaps I felt it too much for my flight through the night to my mother's bedside took on a touch of drama for me as I created a scene of my homecoming in my own mind, somewhat as though I were seeing it on a screen. I was proud of myself in those days. I don't mean I was big-headed or thought I was better than anyone else. I was looking at myself more by the standard of those who stay at home in the neighborhood than by any specific accomplishments. Only those who have come from the intimate confines of a Midwestern farm community can know in what fear parents live that their children will grow up to bring shame and disgrace on them. In 20 years, my mother had not seen me more than a total of two months, but I had been good about writing, and in later years, I was able to send a little money. But best of all, I had never brought disgrace upon my parents. And so thinking of these things, I pictured in my mind my return to my mother's bedside. I saw her lying there. I saw myself reach out and take her hand, and with her last few breaths, she would whisper, I am so proud of you. Now, Ernie Powell continues. The car met me in Indianapolis that dramatic night and rushed me to the Maple Hidden Farmhouse where I spent my youth. My mother was conscious, but the stroke had wounded her tongue, and she could not speak. I stayed on and helped nurse her, taking the night shift. My father and Aunt Mary were usually up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and then I would turn in for some sleep. 
I'd been there almost a week when one cold morning, Aunt Mary came in and awakened me. Your mother wants to see you. Get up, come quickly. She wants to say a few words. I jumped up, threw on my robe, and went to her room. Her worn face went into a small smile as I came in, and her eyes shone. She reached out her hand to mine, and I, as I sat on the side of the bed, she squeezed my hand until it almost hurt. Her words came with great effort, and I had to lean over and listen closely to make them out. And what my mother said, so white there in her bed, laboring to produce every word was, son, are you proud of me? And that one blinding moment, I knew I'd come too late. I knew inside that I'd always been too late. A great choking swept over me, and I could only squeeze her hand, give her a slap on the knee, and say, you bet I'm proud of you. With that, I ran to my room, and for the first time in 20 years, I lay in my bed and wept. And then Ernie Pyle finishes the story. I went alone to the graveyard and stood in the sharp wind over my mother's grave. As I stood there, it seemed to me that she and I were alone and I could speak to her. And there was only one thing I could say to her and that was, too late, mother, too late. You waited a lifetime for it and I couldn't tell you, but I was proud of you. Always, you know that I was. We go through life always expecting honor from our mothers. We, when we're young, we expect compliments for picking up our room and doing our chores. When we're older, we expect cards that have a message in it that say, I am proud of you. Friends, I think we've got it all backwards. God says we are to give honor to our mothers. And so as I close, let me ask you a question. Are there any words that need to be spoken in your families? Are there maybe some words of affirmation that need to be shared to the people whom you know and love? Words like, I love you. Thank you. I'm sorry. I am proud of you. And even if your mother has died like mine has, as you've heard me say in funerals before, I'm one of those who likes to think that God passes long notes to people in heaven. So be sure to thank God for your mother. And if your mother was a godly woman, then what better way to honor her memory than for you to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ and live your life for him just as she did. So what do you give the mother who has everything? Well, you give her love give her honor, dinner, flowers, candy, at least a phone call. Just remember this, whatever you give to her, it is but an infinitesimal smidgen next to the gift of life that she has given to you. Thanks be to God for the gift of mothers. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. And God, indeed, we do thank you for our mothers, whether they are living or whether you called them home. We pray, O oh God, that we might reflect that selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love found in Jesus Christ and whom our mothers modeled for us so many days of our lives. Lord, we pray that as they shaped us and molded us, 
influenced us and loved us through all the ups and downs, the ins and the outs, that we might also do so with our family members and our friends, our church family, all those whom we meet, that we might reflect Christ-likeness, all the things that we do, all the words of affirmation that we use. We ask these things, we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.